Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Sadly, this is the fourth and final show in our Not Just Nuts and Bolts series in partnership with Fastenal. There's been a lot of food for thought over the last three episodes, lots of interesting discussion, and as always, plenty of valuable insight to take back to your own businesses. Last week in episode three, we talked to Sam, Senior VP of Strategic Accounts, to talk about locality, what it means, why it's so important, and exactly how Fastenal delivers it across the world. And today in episode four, we're talking about data and analytics. Why is data so important? What kinds of data should we be focusing on? And how can we use it to better our supply chains? With John Soderberg, EVP of IT at Fastenal. So welcome to the show, John. Thank you, Sarah. Very uh, much appreciate you having me here today. I am excited to have you on the show. I mean, we talk about data a lot. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Tell us who you are, what you do, and what is the one thing that would surprise people about Fastenal? Okay. Uh, Yeah, John Soderberg. I've been with Fastenal. I started in 1993, part-time in North Carolina. And I've I've served various roles throughout the company. So really started in sales in the field in the mid-Atlantic area, Um, grew up into a district manager, uh, went out west to lead our Seattle region, really the Pacific Northwest as an RVP of sales. And then I moved to our home office here in Winona, Minnesota in 2010. And since then, I've been leading um, just different sales verticals, um, vending, marketing, some of our pricing and costing. And in the last five years, moved into the EVP of IT here at Fastenal. And then I think uh, what would surprise people about Fastenal? I, I think from the outside looking in, uh, we we are a very large company, but when when you actually when you look at us, we're really a business made up of 3,200 small businesses that operate in a very decentralized environment. And I think a lot of people say that they're decentralized, but we're, we're truly decentralized in the fact that we've got 3,200 business owners, and we I, I guess you could refer to this as chaotic communication. But um, we let anyone and everyone talk to anyone, and so. You know, I feel very responsible for supporting the the careers and the success of 3,200 business owners. I guess from the lens of IT, I would tell you that uh, I'm working towards coordinated decentralization, but we're, we're still a very decentralized company. That's great. And I think, you know, there's a lot of amazing things that you guys are doing over at Fastenal. And, you know, we've talked a lot about that in some of the past episodes. So let's really dive into what you're doing in data. So -hmm. let's start at the beginning, because it's a conversation I've been having more and more recently. Why is data so important? You know, it's, it's really, I think a data is, it's the basis for making better informed decisions. So it's, it's how things are measured in the business, but it's also around the collection of data. So I, I, I often think about by itself, data is not really that useful. And so it has to be processed, interpreted, organized and structured. And then you have to present it in a meaningful way to you know, either the business or to customers. And so that information can be useful once you've gone through that vetting process. And so a lot of times when I'm thinking about a plan for data, um, you know, data quality, if there's not an emphasis on the quality and the capture, then a lot of the plans are in vain. And so it seems like a lot of people want to jump to analytics, but there's a lot of discipline and structure that needs to be put in on put in on the front end um, to make sure that you're able to aggregate that data, that you've got good governance and definition around it, 
um, so that it translates to the users and they can grow to trust the data. And so, you know, I, I look at a lot of uh, the challenges in data, data quality that we deal with internally as well as externally. And, I, and it, it's, it's always uh, something that people want to jump and get to quickly, but it's, it, it starts at the beginning, which is really making sure that what we capture, we can count on and we're confident what it is, where it's coming from, et cetera. Absolutely. You know, I talk about data a lot and it's so important and it's been even more important over the last couple of months in taking a look at strategies and processes and all sorts of things. And I know that supply chain professionals, you know, have a lot of things that they need to be thinking about and doing right now. And data should be at that top, the top of that list. So what types of data should supply chain professionals be looking at right now? Yeah. And I, I kind of look at it when I'm working with whether it's customers or business leaders, it's that we're all accountable for improving the performance of a business and whether it's our business or a customer's business. So, you know, the data we should be looking at really needs to support the areas that we want to improve. And so it needs to be measurable. Um, we, we need to understand where we want to take that data. So if I'm working externally with customers, it's really supporting their plan. You know, we offer assistance, we identify areas for improvement, um, we work with best-in-class models of measurement in areas, but a lot of discussions revolve around total cost of ownership um, of the program, or a program, I would say. So specific areas for cost savings, whether it's piece price or inventory turns, consumption reduction, um, SKU rationalization, maybe supplier rationalization, uh, different service levels being provided, product substitutions, just really helping them understand what are the commits within the supply chain. And that might be product that we commit to, or perhaps it's uh, capital or, you know, asset avoidance investments. And so how can we truly partner and identify the areas of the business that are most important to the customer? If it's internally, a lot of the conversations are with the sales department as well as supply chain. So, you know, we look at a lot of demand planning and forecasting consumption. And are, are we setting the right min maxes in the right areas of the country or the world? Um product information, unit of measure, the, the, the proper inventories that we need to keep on hand. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot that goes into that. But the big thing is just making sense of the data and, and then understanding what the, what the goals are so that we can make sure that the data is aligned with what we're trying to drive for efficiencies into the business. Absolutely. And I like the fact that you brought up the the momentum between supply chain and sales, right? We talk a lot about collaboration between departments and, you know, supply chain is really a competitive advantage to most businesses. But what we don't often talk about is how we need to collaborate with the other departments. And it's really so important, especially when it comes to data, right? Absolutely. And, you know, when I look in-house, just sharing what we do, it's, we're, we're first, we're organizing our data and it's typically report driven. So, it's really looking at what happened and it's in the, it's put together for the purpose of a specific audience. Um, a lot of times like the, the, the migration of that moves into BI then. So that, that, that then allows the user to go in and interact with data in more of a visual presentation. So reporting is looking back. The BI is more interacting with looking at different views. Um, but it's, it gets into past and present. Analytics is really when you start looking at past and present and defining trends for the future. So to help you determine or forecast what will happen next. And so 
we review a lot of different possible outcomes. You know, these actions might produce these outcomes. What, which ones are going to be optimal? So a lot of our planning, you know, what we work on with our customers, they're very similar to what we work on with our our departments, as you mentioned. And so there are absolutely best practices that we share. I, I think we're well positioned with a lot of our customer partners that uh, we're always being challenged in learning based on what their goals are too. So a lot of the innovation can come from customers. It can come from employees. And when you really think about a decentralized environment where, where we refer to it as kind of chaotic communication, it allows that information to move through the business, you know, just flow. Um, what's actionable is going to be dependent upon what data we can capture, how we capture that data, and is it a trusted data source? And so that that's what a lot of a lot of things that we work on internally as well as externally with customers. Absolutely. So last week on episode three, we talked about glocality. And so I wanted to sort of tie the two episodes together. What okay. questions should we be asking on a site level that will help deliver us the data that we need to manage those different points in, so in the supply chain? On a site level, in glocality, by glocality, anywhere within the world at a location, customer site or, or location within Fastenal, um, the programs and how we manage you know, whether it's our own distribution or customers, they don't have to be the same, but they, they do need to have discipline around them, you know, for the data capture, the governance and, and what systems we're using. What's, what's nice is that with 3,200 locations on the same systems, really a customer can go anywhere and the data is going to be consistent between sites. And, and a lot of times when I look at or work with customers, Site level is very important, but the ability to aggregate that up at a higher level and keep that discipline with the data, with the content is uh, is very important. So um, you're dealing with a lot of different challenges from <laughs> geographical locations, currency, language, or even product descriptions. Sometimes it even gets into challenges around uh, trade agreements, just, just what you can do in certain parts of the world and what you can't do in others. And so being able to drive that discipline and surface that across anywhere in the world is something that you have to be able to execute locally to satisfy it, but it has to be in line with a, a, a national or international program. And so as that, as you capture and move that data out, the customer has to be able to make sense of it, be able to trust it and, and make sure that it, they're looking at what they think they're looking at. And that's, that, that's probably what we get the most feedback on is we're able to turn that on quickly as a company. Yeah, and you bring up a really interesting point with trade agreements, right? Because, you know, supply chain professionals are obviously working in domestic and international environments, and trade agreements are really important. Mm -hmm. um, but you've got sites that are, you know, outside of your domestic country, or you're looking to import from specific, pro uh, specific countries, or you're looking at new products and bringing those in from other countries. And so free trade agreements really make a huge impact. But I've never heard of the correlation between free, free trade agreements and data. <laughs> well, you think about the products, like a customer or somebody wants to be able to look at that product and, and how it's moving through its, through its system, through its cycle. And um, there's origin requirements for products, there's regulatory requirements, and obviously trade agreements can play into the cost impact of that when you're looking at pricing and movement of products. So there's a lot of factors that go into 
what makes up a price structure or what's tied to a particular part. At the end of the day, the customers I predominantly work with, if you're looking at somebody who's got a, an international footprint, they want to make sure that when they're looking at their data, that if there needs to be changes made within supply chain or within those products, that we're not going to disrupt those things because those are, mm-hmm. if overlooked, there's obviously consequences. Absolutely. So we talked about the questions we should be asking on the site level, but what about taking that up to enterprise level? How do those questions differ so that we can get the data needed to inform wider business decisions? I think the same discipline at the site level, it needs to be applied across multiple sites so it can be aggregated at a, at an enterprise level. And so some of the complexity we deal with when working with customers is that they're dealing in multiple systems sometimes, sometimes even multiple ERP systems. So if you're providing a certain product or service globally or even just uh, domestically or within a continent, um, I guess an example I would use would be master data for product information. And so companies might have a master data that they that they're using or managing for their their direct materials, maybe for capital equipment and things like that, but not necessarily all of their direct materials and many of their indirect materials might not be managed. And so they rely on the supply chain for that component. So the discipline you establish at a at a lower level or a site level, if you're able to drive that up and aggregate it, a lot of times you can provide customers a much cleaner, better view of what's happening within their product world than they're able to manage within maybe their master data management. And so a lot of times we're bumping into that with our our customers, especially as they go out of one country into another, is that they want that consistency. You have to drive and support that discipline or that objective locally, but having the discipline to manage it locally and aggregate it up so it can be trusted across an enterprise is really key. Absolutely. And, you know, it sounds like there's a couple of things that we need to take a look at when we're looking at data as supply chain professionals, right? We're looking at data within the supply chain, but then we want to be able to use that data throughout the organization and be able to manage that up. So another point that I've talked about recently is that it's all very well and good collecting all of this data, but what do you do with it? I mean, I've had guests on the show that say that they've seen customers collecting data and throwing it in the trash, or it's sitting in a file in a dark room somewhere. I mean, quote unquote, how do we make the data that we collect actionable? Yeah. You know, internally, Looking, I'd say first, you, sec- you secure your data based on how you classify it or the level of sensitivity. So again, it's a lot of that's going to be dependent upon the customer, the data, where the product's going, things of that nature, um, structured and unstructured data. So if I'm, if I'm thinking about the second half of that comment, I've noticed that if a person's, if a person's asking for data in the form of a report, but if you're stepping through it and they don't necessarily understand the report of the data... Is it just being passed along and that maybe that's what you mean by ending up in the trash? And I, I've yeah. seen that. I've seen that the case where um, you're providing a report, but if it, you know, if, it, if all you're doing is we're providing data or a report, it can get kind of stale after a while if there's not action around it. So if you're having quarterly business reviews with customers and you're meeting and talking about their plans and there's gaps in data, which is not uncommon, 
you, you look for creative ways to capture additional information for the customer. And so to me, it goes back to is data driving decisions. And so if it's more strategic in nature, I would say it's not ending up in the trash can. There's a plan for the data. People anticipate the next update. There's an expectation tied to it and there's accountability. And that's, I think those are the healthiest environments. Um, a, a more recent trend I would comment on as well is just making data more visual. If it's a report, it's kind of mundane and maybe it's not understood or the abbreviation, abbreviated column headers aren't understood. I, I can, I'm sure you're right that it ends up in the trash many times, but if it's interactive, it's visual, it's, it's, it's something that uh, is familiar to the customer, they're under, they understand it. I, I would say that you tend to see the demand for more data grow because they, because they can plan around it. They can count on it. And uh, again, everybody reports to somebody. So it's, it's really, um, it can validate the things that are being done within the supply chain. And that's really, you know, a, Measured value in a partnership is is powerful for uh, both organizations. Yeah, and I think, you know, making it so that everybody can understand is a really, really good point because you're going to have various levels of people within the organization that has the background or the understanding or even the knowledge of data and what that looks like and and what to do with it. And so I think you make a really good point there. And the other really really important point that you made is the the partnership. Having a trusted partner to fill in the knowledge gaps and bring that expertise to help you figure out what you need in place to collect good data. So, and to help you extract the pertinent data and then support you in creating a strategy around it. Would you agree with that? I would. I think that's exactly right. So, you know, really the value, the value of the data is really dependent upon the partnership and how you're working together through it. And that's, that's really why I think technology plays such a big role, obviously, in data capture. It's so important knowing what you can do, how you capture it, what else, you know, can this technology provide me a different view into a plant floor or how something's being managed within my facility? And, and really, I think it's important to understand the use cases for, for technology but don't limit them because I find that our customers come up with better ideas to use our technology many times than the original intended use case. But uh, there's plenty of opportunities for capturing information or more data, you know, better managing our supply chains, bringing back the data to the customer though is, is critical. And that's kind of why I go back to, it's really the partnership, it's the communication, and there's gotta be a cadence for that communication, whether it's monthly to start, move to quarterly, um, with maybe a bigger audience for annual meetings, but that, that's really where I see data working in a good spot for fast and all in for customers. Can you give us a real life example of, of what that looks like in some of the scenarios that you've been talking about? Sure. You know, you, you think about a plant floor and how products are moving through a plant floor. They've, they've all got different destination points and different demands on them. And so if, if, we, if we're managing a part Today, we could be doing that through, you know, our vendoring, our vending offering, which is like coils turning or our pushes of product scales might be access control. There might be things that are open. I think of like an open face bin where we're measuring the quantity on hand, kind of like a gas gauge of inventory. So it's uh, it's low, it's medium, it's high. Right. Or it might just be the visibility to a part that there's no technology tied to, but um, perhaps we delivered to that area 
last Tuesday and there's a min max there of 100 and 200 and you know you have a certain supply level. So for Fastenal, what we try and do is provide our customers with a product we call Fast360 on .com so that when they go into our website and they go search and look for a part, we're going to show them where that part exists in their environment before they buy it again and check out. Because a lot of times it's just really visibility. And so we've continued to evolve that concept into, into kind of a kiosk type presentation as well, where a customer can go and look at look for a part and see where it, it's at within their floor. If they can't find it or, or it's not a part that uh, is currently under management, then you really move them to a purchase. And so if you report on that, you can start to see more trends in how are we managing the parts the right way? Is it the right method of management for a part? Perhaps it needs to be secured. There's more of these parts moving than we realized. Where are they moving to? Do we need to offer more training within that department because we have kind of excessive use on the parts versus the life expectancy for the part? So it's just things around the usage, the consumption, and the management of the part really, and that's where analytics can play such a big role, is, is driving out future predictions. If we move these parts to these different styles of management, we're going to get better outcomes or we're going to lower our inventory values here, things of that nature. Well, and that's why we titled this episode, Wait, Don't Order, because I think what you've been able to describe here is you know, the use of data and analytics and the predictive nature that sometimes, and I think you're finding, especially in Fastenal, that you're over-ordering and not realizing that you already have some of that in stock. That's correct. If it's visible, you think about that on a local level, now put it across hundreds or even a thousand locations, that's a powerful view of what, what you have on your floor. Absolutely. So let's get a let's get into the future a little bit. Do you think then that a greater understanding of data and analytics is what's going to define the next generation of supply chain professionals? Absolutely. I, I you know we participate in a lot of different uh, programs at different colleges throughout the country um, here locally, as well as a lot of our leadership in the field. And you know every day, I think just in our personal lives you know, there's, there's an expectation from all of us as consumers and that expectation continues to rise. Right. So um, yeah. we want to know where something is at every step along the way. We want it to be visible. Um, and we want to know, I, I was laughing the other day because my daughter um, got a notification that uh, a, a shipment delivery would be there within the next 30 minutes. And it was on something she'd ordered online. And you just think about that expectation of, yeah. uh, the consumer. And it doesn't just stop there. It moves right into B2B. And so if you're not working on these things right now and driving to put modernized systems and better capture points so that you can provide that level of visibility or secure that supply chain and give the customer the confidence of that secured supply chain, you're really at a disadvantage in the future. Because you know, customers, the, the need for visibility and making good business decisions to really stay relevant is is not going to go away. It's, it actually it, it continues to increase, and so, you know, we're very open to internally conversations. Obviously, like I mentioned, a lot of our innovation comes not only from our employees, but many times from our customers. And so, that relationship and that sharing and that understanding of customers' goals and expectations, the better we align with that and support that, provide evidence to that. Um, it really makes us better as a, as a supplier. So, 
you know, anything we can do to help build those building blocks of measurement is very important. Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, supply chain professionals are also consumers. And so they're going to take their expectations of what they have on the consumer side. And we're going to see that emerging in supply chain. I mean, we already kind of have, and they're going to have those expectations and we need to be prepared internally and externally to be able to deliver on that. So finally, what do you think the future is going to hold for supply chain over the next few years and how will Fastenal continue to innovate and evolve along with it? It's a lot of things we talked about, Sarah. I think uh, within our own supply chain, in, in how we how we visualize movement of products and make sure the right products are in the right place and then extend that supply chain right into the customer site to you know are the right parts at the right place at the right time it's just going to be that that continues to be amplified and so if you're providing products you've got to be providing value-added services and and I just think that the more of that you're able to do and, and we're positioned in a, in a way that a lot of the products move on our own, distribution fleet. So it's a captive fleet. So the ability to move those products to the customer, deliver on the last mile or show you know, visibility on the plant floor, you can move more product, the expectation for more products being moved in that environment continues, continues to increase. And so um, we're very open-minded to product expansion, services expansion, how we can add more value to the customer. And from day one, our goal from starting out with one branch here locally to going to over 2,000 locations and over 1,000 customer sites, it's always about getting closer to that customer. And so if you can combine that supply chain, being close to the customer, and then putting people in front of customers to interact that can drive the good decisions and good behavior, um, it's really a winning combination. So those are the areas that we continue to focus on and, and drive, invest in. Absolutely. And I can't wait to see more from you guys over at Fastenal. As an expert consultant, a logistics company, a technology provider, and a distributor of industrial and construction products, Fastenal is many things to many different customers. With approximately 3,200 in in-market locations supported by a global distribution network and expert teams, Fastenal works with commitment and passion towards its common goal of growth through customer service. For more information about Fastenal, check out their website at Fastenal, F-A-S-T-E-N-A-L.com. Thank you, John, for joining me on the show today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Sarah. I really enjoyed talking about data because it really doesn't have to be a dry subject and it has such great potential to transform the way we do business. A final thank you to Fastenal and the rest of the guests we've spoken to throughout this series. And if you're inspired to find out more from some of the best and brightest in the industry, you can find more amazing podcasts over at letstalksupplychain.com.